Welcome. Thank you for joining Milkshake Monday. We are episode 284, Far Above Rubies. I am Anita Helm and I am the presenter. I want to welcome you on behalf of Fordos Productions. We have a lot of great things to talk about tonight. If you have not received our February e-newsletter, Doze in the Nose, that means you have not signed up on our email subscribers list on the actual website at www.fordoseproduction.org. And you're missing out on some great information. So if you haven't done that, take that opportunity to go and sign up for our e-newsletter. In addition, when you go to the website, you will see the opportunity to put your email on the list for people who want to reserve the book, Leap of Faith, Questionable Choices, that's coming out 2024. I pray this summer. I have seen the wonderful uh, cover design that I'm approving, and I'm excited to show you. You all have been seeing the mock-up, but wait till you see the real thing. It's exciting. Now, we were not here last Monday because it was President's Day, and my wonderful niece and I went to hear Elevation Nights there, worship service, and to hear Pastor Steve Stephen Furtick, and we were able to get pictures with him as well as his wonderful wife, Holly, for his book, Do the New You. And if you have not gotten your copy, I just pray that you do because he loves the Lord and it showed by all the preparations that were happening last week. And I know that they're having different sold out stadiums, but it was a worship opportunity to the extent that that next day I was so in awe of what the Lord did in unified one accord worship that I actually put out a new blog, a reel. I wrote things. I just wanted to share the news of who Christ was in the experience of our worship to him. And we didn't know each other. All of the thousands of people that were all in that stadium, we all came there to worship Christ. And it showed, it was in the feeling, the atmosphere was electric. And I just want to thank the Lord for Pam, who's been faithful. She was introducing herself to one of her people that we stayed with, saying that she was administratively helping behind the scenes. But Pam has been faithful. She and Faith are faithful and so true to be an encouragement. And I just thank the Lord for them. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about Far Above Rubies. And it's a part of my journey. As you all know, I'm in this season of being a new widow. I am now a new single woman. And it's a desire in my heart that the Lord would allow some godly man one day to find me. But as I was preparing for this week, he was showing me something about the book of Ruth. But at the same time, he was giving me other insights. And he shared with me on this past weekend, he said, you understand that the value and the price of the virtuous woman in that teaching is far above rubies, plural, not just one ruby. And I came out of that, I was so excited. So I went down the hallway and I said, when I say these words of the scripture, what do you relate to? And someone said, uh, rubies are rare. There's not something that you just find every day. And I said, that's true. But look at the scripture. It doesn't just say far above ruby, it's rubies, plural. And that if you find the right person as a woman. But then I, God said, this is not just about women. This is about men. 
because the mother was instructing her son in Proverbs 31, a man that had wealth and power. And the beginning, before you even get to the part about verse 10, about the virtuous woman, the woman of character, he has to talk, she talks as a mother to her son to say, son, as the king, make sure you don't find yourself in the folly of drinking and doing things that are illicit and you don't take care of the business of being a king, a leader, a person that yourself has character. And some people, men, I'm talking to both men and women tonight, you find yourself as the person that God says, it's not good for men to be alone. But it also says he, meaning men, that findeth a wife. So you have to be in a faith walk, in a prayerful journey walk to find a wife. And for those who are women, you have to be ready and in faith and doing what God says to be found. Now, those of you that are married, you say, well, this is not going to be about me. Not at all. I want you to understand that God knows all of our value. And even when you find yourself in matrimony, there could be times where you forget your value. You can forget that God has called you to be far above the value of who he sees you to be is above, above, not just above, far above the value of rubies. So when you start to see yourself and you start to question who you are, what is your value? Are you worth this? God is letting you know nothing has changed. He still values you incredibly. So tonight, as we look at this, I wanted to start by talking to you about a couple of wiki, uh, Nice fun facts about a ruby. Now, I'm born in July, so the stone that people would say a gemstone is ruby. Now, I have a, a not a real one on, but I wore one just so you can see the color of a red ruby. That's why they said pigeon red or blood red. When you have that really beautiful color of red, that ruby is normally caught. Very costly. It's a premium and it costs. And what makes people understand if they are a jeweler, if they see inclusions, if they see things that are you know, you don't find something that's in the in the ground and it has no imperfections. And that's what it is. So let me tell you a few things about a ruby. Just so you have some appreciation. They're very popular and they have on the most hardness scale, very durable. They're 9.0. Only thing that's harder as a stone would be a diamond and a mosaite. Now, they're very durable. I just talked to you about their color being red and the pigeon red. There's a large premium on them because of the imperfections that you find in them called silks. Now, I've had diamonds before, and you can see the inclusions there. People will say you have to look at the clarity to cut all these things when it comes to a diamond. But the same is true about a ruby. Now, you would be surprised to know that rubies are all over. However, it's a very costly prospect to mine them. So let me just rattle off some of the locations that you can find rubies. And the one that you found of late is in Mozambique. However, there may be billions of dollars of rubies in Mozambique, but you have to make investment to actually get them. So here's some places where they are. Pakistan, Afghanistan, Greenland, North Macedonia, Madagascar, Nepal, Vietnam, and other places. And I was just surprised. I said the most valuable ruby to be sold at an auction is the Sunrise Ruby. So you're like, okay, that's interesting things about jewelry. But when it comes to this mother talking about her son, she's saying, if you could find a woman of character who's noble, who has that heart that loves the Lord and has to have compassion about you, her value is so much better than rubies or stones. But he's saying she's being told to tell him 
I need you to focus. I need you to look beyond beauty. And the thing about, I'm not going to say something to be critical of women, but I'm going to say, be careful women. When you find yourself parading yourself on these devices and you want people to see your outward appearance, your backside, your front side, all these things, those things are not what is part of what the makeup of what makes you valuable far above rubies because they all change. When I teach relationships, and this is a part of the relationship teachings that I share with men and women, you have to be careful finding everything in that physical pillar because that physical pillar will change. Women get older, men get older, the things in their bodies change, everything changes. And if you're only banking on beauty and muscles and stamina, we all get older, things change. So you better be careful doing that. But I'm gonna show you some things tonight which is gonna tell you why this mother was talking to her son so strongly to say, I need you to really pay attention to this when it comes to choosing and seeing your wife. And when we go tonight to look at that story of Ruth and Boaz, that is a man's perspective and a woman's perspective, a very well-off man and a very not so well-off woman. But what she has in her personhood, in her womanhood is so valuable to him. He could have married before, but this was the woman that God allowed favor for him to find. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 11. The first version I'm reading out of is the New International Version. And it says here, talking to the son, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Now, the amplified version is going to go into more depth. It says here, a capable, intelligent, and virtuous woman. And virtue is not about her being a virgin. Who is he who can find her? Men, she, she and they are out there. Don't give up thinking you have to settle for women that you just see and you just want a, a quick hit. No, find a woman that they describe as noble, capable, intelligent, and virtuous. Who is he who can find her? She is far more precious than jewels and her value is far above rubies or pearls. The heart of her husband trusts in her confidently and relies on her, on the believes in her securely so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of dishonest spoil. The thing that we see over and over in the Bible when men make bad choices for women, and we always go to Samson and Delilah, Delilah but there's plenty of men in the 21st century who are hooked up to some women that they have found out, Ugh, that was the wrong choice. I have hooked up to a Delilah. I have hooked up to a Jezebel. I have hooked up to somebody that had outward appearance and beauty, but they were ugly on the inside. So men, this is about you as much as women. Women need to know that they have to have an inward beauty that shines through outwardly. But men, you have to be also careful, just like this mother is warning her son. Now let's go to the last version in the New King James Version. It says, who can find? Men, it's your job to find. 
women. It's our job to be found. And it says, it doesn't say necessarily that you're going to find them by swiping left, swiping left, clicking right, going to all these websites, paying all these service fees, all these people having five and six people that they're dating at a time. That doesn't sound like wisdom. It's happening today, and I'm not saying it can happen, but you need to exercise wisdom. And a lot of this teaching is going to be about trusting and waiting on the Lord. And I can tell you myself, waiting is not easy, but the consequence of not waiting is getting yourself hooked up with a snake, getting hooked up with a monster, getting hooked up with somebody that is all they're doing is dishonest gain. All they're doing is lying and shagging and all that kind of stuff that's not good for you or whatever family members you're bringing into that situation. So in the New King James, it says, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. And this is the thing too, trust. We want to trust in the Lord, but can you imagine laying down in bed at night and you don't trust the man on the left of you or the right of you, and you can't trust the woman of you to the point that you got to keep one eye open? Nobody wants to live like that. And as people are getting older, you start to see the fruits of relationships. Men are taking care of elderly women. Women are taking care of elderly men. And if you don't have that trust and confidence, that's why people are just being thrown away. I don't have time to take care of nobody sick. I don't have no death do us part. I don't have that in my vows. That is not of God. But when people get connected to people that don't have the value of God, the love of God, the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, they don't know what it is with these vows before the Holy God mean. Then you got issues. Now let's go over to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, I'm going to give 10 hands, 10 fingers. And I'm going to say you have three out of the hand that are some do nots. The three do nots. It's going to say, do not fret. That means don't worry. Don't be bothered. Don't be upset. Don't fret. Don't get all discombobulated and messed up. Don't fret. Don't envy. When it comes to relationships, you have to be careful not to envy. And jealousy comes right along with that envy. And it says, don't be angry. Sometimes you could see your friends and they look like they're just having the best relationship and there's envy going on and you're fretting and worried about God. When is it my time? When is it going to happen for me? And then you get angry. Who do you get angry with? God. You may not say it, but your disposition is showing God. I'm not happy with the circumstance. I'm not happy with your timing. I'm not happy that they comparing yourself. They have something that I don't have. And God is going to say time out. I'm going to show you about these other seven that you need to do, you need to focus. And look what it says in the other seven before we get there. It says, but you need to trust. You need to light yourself in the Lord. You need to wait. All of these are on the Lord, in the Lord. You need to hope in the Lord. You need to desire in the secret places of your prayer life, these secret petitions. You need to commit your ways to the Lord. You need to still yourself and rest in the Lord. That's a hard one for a lot of people. They don't want to sit still and wait on the Lord. Do your preparation of getting to know the Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And then these things shall be added. But it's not about the temporary things in this realm. You cannot find your wholeness or fulfillment in a man or in a woman. If you're looking for a man or a woman to make you happy, you need to go back to Psalm 37. You need to sit and rest in the Lord. You need to delight yourself in the Lord. You need to commit your ways to the Lord. You need to find him. 
and make him fill your heart. A relationship is icing on the cake to bring you even greater compassion in your life, companionship in your life. But you need to have you and God sound first. Now, here's the scripture. I'm reading out of the Amplified. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Neither be envious against those who work unrighteousness. That which is not upright or in right standing with God. A lot of people want to get these relationships doing it in unrighteousness. They want to get, they want to throw out what God says, don't be unequally yoked to unbelievers. They want to take any man that has two legs and any woman that got two breasts. That is not what you men need to do. And it's not what you women need to do. Wait, because if you shack yourself and settle yourself up with an unbeliever, you are going against the principles of God. He's telling you how to do it right. But the Satan of this world is saying, just do it any kind of way. If you can pay the, if you can pay for the subscription, if you can get him to click on you and you can go to five dates, just, just take him. It's better than nothing. That's not true. So the next verse says, verse two, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust. That's the thing. I have to trust. You have to trust. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness. God is faithful. I just said that in a text to my daughter. God is faithful. And truly you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and secret petitions of your heart. The key thing is make sure that the desires in your heart are of the will of God. Just wanting a man, just wanting a woman for that alone is not good enough for God. God wants you to have a purpose that he has a divine plan for. He wants you to be in unity with him. He wants you to understand that there may be a man or a woman that he's fashioned for your future. But are you prepared? Are you ready to have that man in your life, that woman in your life, so that you can walk lockstep in the things of God? Or is it always going to be, my husband is my God. My wife is my God. What she says, go. It's what the Lord says. What does the Lord speak about your relationship, your responsibilities? What is your purpose in this life? And what is that woman or that man in congruence in alignment with your purpose. It says here in verse five, commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on him. Trust. I'm repeating this again. Trust, lean on, rely, be confident also in him and he will bring it to pass and he will make your uprightness and right standing with God go forth as the light and your justice and right as the shining sun of the noonday. Be still and rest. I'm going to repeat that. Be still. It's hard to stay still when you're fidgeting, saying, I want to get, I want to get my man. I want to get my woman. But God says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Be still and rest. People seem to be thirsty, desperate. It shows. I see some of these posts on some of the things and I see what they're posting. It's like, hey, I, I got all, my life is all great. It's perfect. It's staged sometimes. And sometimes you're showing too much as though it's all great and gravy, but it's showing you are really searching for something that really only God can give you. 
It says, be still and rest in the Lord. Wait for him. I'm saying this to myself so I can hear it a thousand times when I listen to this tape. Wait for him and patiently lean yourself upon him. Fret not yourself because of him and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil doing. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait and hope and look for the Lord in the end shall inherit the earth for yet a little while. And the evildoers will be no more, though you look with care and where they used to be, they will not be found. Now, if you have the opportunity, write this, write this in the comments. If you're listening to this, if you sit still trusting and waiting on God, it will work out in the end. Say it again. If you sit still trusting and waiting on God, it will work out in the end. Trust him. Wait on him. You know, there's there's a scripture that we always read for these weddings and it's 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read verses five through seven really quickly, because as I see and I talk about people being thirsty or desperate, I want you to see love is not some things that we try to puff up. And when you start to see these TV shows, these movies, these streaming videos of all these fictional situations, it's because we have taken things that are not love and not lovely and we prop them up. And we see it in fantasy and illusions and illustrations. But the reality is the more that we get desperate and stay away from God's word about what he considers love, what he considers to be truth, how he wants men and women to come together in one accord in unity, the two becoming one flesh. That means one and one makes two, but a half a piece and a half a piece is not a whole. It's a bunch of mess. So in first Corinthians 13, reading out of verse four, it says love suffers long. And is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Got a lot of parading on all these devices. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And in the last verse in eight, love never fails. So what we seem to be having is not love, but lust. We have a lot of people wanting to go to bed, but we don't have a lot of people wanting to commit their lives to the Lord and then committing to another person in the Lord. But we all want to have this sex, but sex is not all it's about. God wanted the marriage bed to be undefiled, but he wanted the lovemaking of two people who loved him coming together in unity. But now we got a bunch of sex and we think that's all it is. And it's not. So let's go now to the story where you can see men can see what Boaz was doing and women can see what Ruth was doing. Now, when I initially was thinking about this teaching, I was thinking about the dresses of Ruth. Ruth started out as a single woman and she was appealing to a man that she married. She had a wedding dress after she met him and he asked her to be her, his wife. And then he died. So she had to wear a funeral garb. Then she's traveling. She had to wear her traveling clothes. She got into a situation where she had to go work in the field. She had to wear her work clothes. And then it turned out because she was in a kinsman redeemer situation that her mother-in-law said, I want you to put on your best clothes, dress up and go lay at this man's feet and offer yourself to become his wife. 
And he eventually does it and she be, takes on another wedding clothes. But here's the thing about virtue. virtue. She'd been married. She'd had sex. She was a widow. She was a foreigner. She was a worker. When he found her in that field, she was working, sweating. She only had one break, her man said. And what you're going to see is that Boaz, he was not married. He didn't rush out and get married. He could have. He was well off. He'd seen the women in the field before, but this was something special because she, before she left Naomi, had said, I pray God's favor today. And when he, when the Lord, who you don't see his name in here, but it's all throughout this, the Holy Spirit is orchestrating the timing of when you will meet your significant is in God's hands. She was in the right place. He was in the right place. He found her. She didn't come and, and say, hey, I see the rich man. Let me go get him. Let me go show my booty. Let me go shake and do a little twerk. No, she was doing what was best for her family, or Naomi and her, to get food for the household. And he found her. He did his own due diligence to ask about her and her reputation. And then he gave to her. When you start to see things evolving with men and women relationships today, if you see how God shows it, how he showed it in Proverbs 31, how he demonstrates how we have to be patient and trust and have faith in, in Psalm 37. And now we see a story, a beautiful love story. But sometimes I think we get to the fact that, hey, we want to make this happen. We want to make this work ourselves. We want to give God some help. And I've, I lived through a divorce when I was a teenager, 20 year old kid for eight years trying to do it myself. It does not work. But when you wait and trust in the Lord, thank the Lord for Reverend Helm in my life for 25 years. Thank you, Lord. So I want to make sure I am following the very words I'm saying to you. Wait on the Lord. And for you who are struggling and saying, I don't know if I can wait, wait on the Lord. Sit still and rest yourself. Men, sit still and be in prayer and let the Lord lead you to find not a woman that's just overly, overly everything else in the outside. You need to look on what's on the inside. The noble character is not in the makeup and the hair and the do and the garb. It's about what's on the inside of that heart. Because as your time continues to spiral and things happen in your life, it's the woman of noble character, intelligent and capable, who's going to be the one in the season of your life where things are going to be falling out and steps are going to be few and you're going to need help. And the same is true for a woman. You can go after the muscles, but the man that's going to be there as you go through menopause, as you go through the change of life, you go through everything that happens as you get older, who's going to be there right at your side? All right, now let's go to the story. We're going to be in chapter two, chapter three, and then chapter four, verses nine through 22. So let me just read it so you get a perspective. Now, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of wealth of the family of Imelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the field and give among, glean among the ears of the grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. She's speaking faith. Naomi said to her, go, my daughter. And Ruth went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to stop. No, the Lord will let you happen to go place to place. But when she happened to stop is the same time that the Holy Spirit orchestrated Boaz. And you will see Obed in the later chapter of chapter four. This happened to stop is what we will go through as we're doing the work of the Lord, as we're going about doing the business of God. 
He will orchestrate where we will happen to be as we have. My own situation with Rev. I was back on that dirt road in, in Loudoun County. Rev is from Midwest. Why he was on that dirt road back in Loudoun County is only because the Lord orchestrated it. Not because of me. I didn't know nothing about Decatur, Illinois, and I didn't know anything about him, but God orchestrated us being at the right place at the right time. And that's how that started. So we have to trust that men and women. And she happened to stop at the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Imelech. And behold, Boaz came, providence of God, from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, who was set over the reapers? Whose maiden is this? He recognized that wasn't his woman. He, she wasn't one of his maidservants. He saw that immediately. And God will let you men see if you ask him to let you see with your holy and spirit inspired eyes. Whose maiden is this? And the servant said over the reapers answered, she is the Moabitess girl who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from early morning until now. She's working. She's not slouching. She's not shaking her booty to get noticed. She's working. She's being found, being faithful to her task. Except when she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz. Now, who's the pursuer here? Did she come to Boaz or did Boaz come to her? Boaz, as the man, approached Ruth. So those of you who are chasing men, how many stations, how many podcasts, how many people do we have to say that? Men, women, thank God for the men and women of God who are speaking. How many times do we have to be told we can't be the chasers? It's so easy because some of these men who don't have a lot of masculinity in them, who don't know the Lord and where their place of is in the Lord, you think you got to help them. But in reality, if you're that bold and they don't see you, that's not your person. But Boaz sees this maiden and he comes to speak to her. He didn't come to ask her for a date. That's not what's going to happen. But he's going to speak to her and he's going to give her instructions. And as women, are we able to receive instructions? Are we able to actually listen and be led? It's not evil to say that a man could give leadership. If he can't give you leadership, how is he going to be able to lead his home? But it says here. So it says, then Boaz in verse eight said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but stay here close by my maidens. Watch which field they reap and follow them. Have I not charged the young men not to molest you? And when you're thirsty, not the kind of thirsty that we got going on today, but when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she felt the humility of this woman, the character, the nobility, the intelligence, her capabilities. Yes, she's gone through a lot. He's a man of wealth. She's a man. She's a woman that doesn't have any means at this point. She's, she's in the field that in a few short verses, she's going to be the owner, the co-owner of that field. But right now she's in a humble place at his feet in thanksgiving, in gratefulness, in appreciation. How many women under the sound of my voice can be so humble? Somehow we women 
We are strong. We're intelligent. We have jobs. We have positions. But somehow when it comes to us having the love and encouragement, it's something that we think is is off-putting. Why would we do that? Who are we? We can't do that for a man. Really? It says here, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should notice me when I'm a foreigner? She prayed for God's favor when she left the house. And Boaz said to her, I have been made fully aware of all of you. Men, you need to check beyond their bra size and their curve size and their car notes and that stuff. You need to get a full report from the Lord. You need to get a full report from who these people are on the inside, their character. Are they really having a value? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about their character, their heart. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. Stop looking and judging from the outward appearance. That's going to change. But what's in that heart will blossom as the Lord continues to fashion and mold them over time. And Boaz said to her, I've been made fully aware of all you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and mother and land of your birth and have come to a people of unknown to you before. Then the, he says here, the Lord, now he didn't even know he was getting ready to speak his own blessing. He was speaking an act of faith because you can tell out of Psalms 37, this man had spent some time being still and resting with the Lord. He committed his way. He was delighting himself. He had secret petitions on God's altar about his future. And he's about to speak prophetically and promising over this woman who's going to be a part of his life. The Lord recompense you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, this is the thing about us receiving blessings. We receive blessings to give a blessing. He was wealthy, but he was willing to share. He was wealthy and he was willing to give her refuge. He said to her, don't go to any other field. Go here. My men are going to protect you. You go to the house and get drink that they've drawn. My provisions are going to provide for you. He wasn't talking about a date. He wasn't talking about anything like that. He was just being a provider because God had blessed him. You can be a blessing. It's better to give than to receive. He was being a blessing. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken to the heart of your maidservant, though I'm not as one of your maidservants. She was a widow in grief. In destitution because she didn't have, but look how God was going to make her have her needs more than men. Now it says, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, this is a man giving. This is a man sharing. This is a man being thoughtful. So men, when you start to see women, you can buy a dinner. I'm not saying not to buy a dinner. When I wrote Cherish, I want all men and women who didn't have their Valentine to understand they are cherished by the Lord first. And yes, you can do all these wonderful things, but don't get caught up in women that will bat their eyes and say sweet nothings to you, but they have nothing on the inside that God will say is beautiful of the heart. So yes, he's about to give to her, but he's giving to her after she's done a day's work for her mother-in-law and her. He's sharing with her. 
And if a man or a woman will not give to you in your courting life or even in your marriage life, you need to pray for them because they don't have a heart to give and they don't even recognize everything they have is from the hand of God. But if they're so selfish in your courtship, in your betrothed, and even in your marriage, if they don't want to give to you, you that's a heart issue. And if you have the ability to walk away before you commit, and if you're in it, you just have to pray about that thing. Fast and pray about that thing. Sit still and rest in the Lord and commit your way and pray about it. It says, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat of the bread and dip your morsel in the sour wine mixed with oil. And she sat beside the reapers. She didn't go lay up on him. She didn't take the opportunity because she had some attention. Oh, let me go. Let me go seal this deal. Not at all. She was still being respectful. And she sat beside the reapers and he passed her some parched grain. He did it. He took what he had and he gave it to her. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left for Naomi. And when she got up to glean, Boaz, look at what the man is doing. Men, look what he is doing. He's leading. He's providing. She's not his wife. She's not his girlfriend. She's not even his maidservant. But he knows about Naomi. He knows about Imelech. He knows about the heritage. But he's helping. Boaz ordered his young men, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her and let fall some handfuls for her on purpose and let them lie there for her to glean. Not his other maidservants. It's all about the reapers knowing this is for her. This same field she's working and he's showing favor and he's giving her extra and more and he's ordering this to happen. This is going to be her field. When she marries this man, when God gives the favor that she's going to have this man be his, that's going to be her husband. That field she's working in as a laborer, not even his maidservant. It's going to be part of her property. You don't know what God has in store. So pick your upper lip up and trust God. Wait on God. It says here. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an ephah barley. And she took it up and went into the town. She showed her mother-in-law what she had gleaned. And she also brought forth and gave her the food she had reserved after she was satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who noticed you. So Ruth told her the name of him whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not ceased his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said to her, the man is a near relative of ours, one who has the right to redeem us. And Ruth the Moabitess said, he said to me also, stay close to my young men until they have harvested my entire crop. So she's got a full time job. This wasn't just a one day and you're out. He said, stay until this whole crop is finished. This is favor of God. And Naomi said to Ruth, it is good, my daughter, for you to go out with his maidens, lest in any other field you be molested. So she kept close to the maidens of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. She didn't just stop. It wasn't a one show and I'm done. I'm just pretending. She went through the rest of the barley season working, being provided for because the order that Boaz says was give her extra. And she went there daily and worked in the heat and took her breaks and ate with them daily. He was seeing her. 
He was experiencing her. He was getting to watch her, men. See what she's about. Not a one time and done watching. Oh, I know everything about her. Come on now. Says, and she lived with her mother-in-law. She didn't live in this man's house, this man's house, try this man out. No. She was living a life of a virtuous, noble character, capable, intelligent woman. Now, the long story short that I won't read all of chapter three is she listens to her mother-in-law say, I need to take care of you. I need to provide for you. I need to get a, a, a something settled for you. And she tells her, clean yourself up. Get yourself prepared in preparation to go wait for him and be at his feet, be subtle. She didn't say go have sex with him. She didn't say go in there, take your clothes and lay beside him, have sex and work him over. None of that. Out of respect, she said, do it discreetly, lay at his feet and, and present yourself. He'll know. And he respected her. And not only did he respect her, he gave her more barley to take back. And he let his men know, don't let anybody know about her being there. He was protecting her virtue. He was protecting his character and her character. That's the kind of man, men, protect your woman's character. It's not good for y'all to be shacking up. It's not good. Just because people do a lot of stuff today doesn't make it right. Women, you're trying to be test-driven. Having sex before marriage doesn't make you test-driven. It makes you foolish. The man hasn't made a commitment and a vow before the Lord to be your husband. Why are you giving him benefits of a husband? Why are you doing things that are denigrating your virtue? Stop. You are valuable. Your worth is far above rubies. You don't have to settle for somebody that says, I'm not going to give you a ring. He's not going to give you a ring anyway. That's the reality of it. He's playing you for a fool. Boaz didn't say, oh, I'm going to sleep with you and test you out. And then I'll decide if I'm going to go to the gate and then I'm going to negotiate this thing with the next kinsman redeemer. Chapter four, verses nine through 22. You'll see, read chapter three on your own time. Chapter four, verse nine says, and Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witness this day that I have bought all that was Imelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Also Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to restore the name of the dead to, the, to his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his birthplace. You are witnesses this day. And all the people at the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the household of Israel, may you do worthily and get, get wealth and power in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem and let your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Look at the prophecy. Look at the praise. Look at the encouragement. All because Ruth came with her mother-in-law as a widow. So you older women, you women who haven't been married and you're in a certain age, don't give up. You men, don't give up. Trust God. Sit still and rest in the Lord and commit your way to the Lord and trust him. Delight in the Lord 
the desires of your heart, if they're in accordance with the Lord, if they're in accordance with his will, they'll work out. Just wait on him. I say this to myself, just wait on the Lord. There's a lot of people who are counterfeit that will come and look the part, but the heart is not right. And you'll see it. Trust God in the Holy Spirit. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife, not his living lover, not his companion that got a ring and is not married. She became his wife. He was her husband. All this trickery and stuff that we're doing in this 21st century to make people think that we are committed and people say, I don't need the vow. I don't need that. That's malarkey. That's foolishness. That's things that are not of God. It's unrighteousness. And none of us need to be in envy of it. We don't need to fret over us not having with people. You having six or seven babies for somebody who's not your husband. That's your thing. But that is not what God's intention was. That is foolishness. And he went into her, that's sex, with marriage. They're in marriage. And he went into her and the Lord caused her to conceive and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you to this day without a close kinsman and may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and nourisher and supporter in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on, in her bosom and became his nurse and her neighbor women gave him a name saying, a son is born to Naomi. The name, they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. Now, and, and this is what you see. This is what you see what God can do. And the lineage goes on. Now, these are the descendants of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Amidadad, Abidadad of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David, the ancestor of Jesus Christ. So before you start pouting, before you start getting dis distraught and fretting and worrying and angry and envious and jealous, Sit still and rest in the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord. You're hearing me and you really hear right in the comments. I hear what thus saith the Lord. I hear what thus saith the Lord. Wait on the Lord. It's my prayer that something has been said to encourage men and women, to encourage all of us who are in this waiting season to trust God. Believe that God is doing something. We may not know the timing, but God's timing is perfect. Jesus never ran anywhere. He never rushed anywhere. He was never in haste anywhere. And he was always on time. We can trust God. The word of God says the harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. It's my prayer that we pray the Lord of the harvest. We pray to you, Lord, that we share the message of the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. And we be ready and prepared to speak the good news of Christ and his salvation to everyone. Lord willing, I will see you next time. God bless you.